0: So for the last week, I've been binge reading works of Osho. Um, He's one of my favorite thinkers. I've mentioned him several times on the podcast. And I just, I took a step back from, you know, reading about, you know, AI and technology and science. And I just wanted to sort of reground myself. And listening to Osho, for me personally, feels a bit like, Verbally he's like verbal psilocybin, right, like if, if there's something that you wanna take right that is legal and that grounds you and makes you more compassionate more open, more loving, more connected, um just listen to some old show talks now you guys know how I feel about him as a person. Um, and those who don't, I feel nothing. He's that's his, That was his persona. There was a lot of controversy around him. But to use one of his quotes, a finger pointing to the moon is not the moon, right? A fool looks at the finger that's pointing to the moon, right? So those are basically ways of saying, you know, don't get distracted by the bullshit, right? If there's wisdom and it's there and it's beneficial, the source of it doesn't matter, right? If there is beauty and it's there and it brightens up the world, the source of it cannot, should not matter, right? Um, So I really don't care too much about the controversy around him, his philosophy, he... I have described him as a philo- uh, a philosophy professor, right? A philosopher with Dostoevsky Nietzsche, Tolstoy, um influences, along with um epic epicurious um sort of underlining themes. So he reads or listens, however you, however you're gonna take in his information, if it's audiobooks. Oh, I should start by saying to the new listeners, welcome. If you're listening to me and you find that I'm speaking, so please utilize the speed increase um, on any platform you're listening to. Just increase the speed. Um, it's it's going to be probably an hour. <laughs> you're in for about an hour, maybe an hour and a half, depending on what we end up talking about today. Um, but you can get through that information by just increasing the speed. Um, double it up, do 1.5x speed. But take advantage of that, not just for... This podcast, um, but for audiobooks, I encourage all my listeners to you know listen to books as opposed to sitting and and looking. Um, there's a book called "The Shallows: What the Internet's Doing to our Brain, and basically what it's what that book says is that we're essentially turning into like a species that is incapable of focusing for long periods of time, so I'm hearing a lot of people kind of telling me that they can't sit and read books anymore. Um, so they've sort of given up. And my solution to that is like, first, I, I get it. Right. We got these smartphones in our hands. And um, while they are a necessary evil. Right. And th- look, there's a, I'm able to connect with you guys on here. I'm able to talk to people in the discord. So shout out to everyone in the discord channel. Um You know, the negative to that is that it is changing our brains. So I always recommend like instead of if you cannot sit and focus on reading a book, find an audible version, an audio version. And you don't have to use the audible app. Um, I believe Priya from Discord mentioned, from our Discord channel mentioned like a Scribder or something like that. And you can go to your local library and get audio books there. But one, listen to books. You are meant to take in information through like oral processes anyway, right? Before the written word came along, that was how information was passed on. The brain takes in information best, you know, not visually, but, you know, through hearing, right? So, you know, books are a relatively recent invention, a new invention, and it is an invention, right? So just bear that in mind. So use that. And two, you know, sometimes the narration can be a bit slow. I have primed my mind to now listen to books at 3.5x speed and I'm constantly checking to see if there's an update and see if I can bump things up to 4 or 4.5. I don't know who I need to talk to to do that. If you work for Audible and you can do me a favor, I would really appreciate that. I didn't start off guys at 3.5x speed. I had to prime my mind and just slowly bumping up the speeds until now I can listen comfortably at 3.5x speed. So if I can do it, so can you. Um, but. That's, that's the way I recommend that you take in information. So back to um, what I was saying. So I have been this week listening to Osho. Um, the books that I've taken in, that I've gotten a lot of, um, out of is, um, damn, I read a lot. Uh, Nirvana, The Last Nightmare, uh, was a talk the Buddha said, was another talk. Uh, the God Conspiracy was another talk. The Book of Wisdom. Was another talk, Philosophia Ultima, and now, uh, today. Oh, I'm sorry. Tao the Golden Gate, Volume One. I have been, I've been kind of binging a lot. <laughs> I just realized, like, I have been listening, but that's just from this week. Um, but I've also been painting a lot, and so I listen the books when I paint. Um, Tao the Golden Gate, Volume One, and then the Dhammapada, Volume Three. So those have been. That's what I've been listening to. My favorite. Um, I don't expect you to listen to all of these, but I would say a, my favorite like top 3 would be The God Conspiracy, The Book of Wisdom and Philosophia Ultima. It is essentially Buddhism meets like philosophy. And like I said, it's sort of like LSD or psilocybin without having to take the drugs. Like you come away from listening to his talks, just looking around and just going like, "Okay, it's cool." Like it is what it is, okay? So I want to share some of that with you um, if you're willing to take in the information. So I sometimes watch TV shows. The current show that I'm binge watching is Vampire Diaries. Judge me. I don't care. The show's great, guys. <laughs> it's fucking adorable. I love all the characters. It's like well-written. It's like kind of mindless stuff. Um, but it's it's a brilliant show. You know, for what it is, like, like lots of eye candy. You know, just a good show. There's Witches, there's vampires, there's werewolves. I love like fantasy. I love sci-fi and fantasy. So if you haven't watched the show before, I I recommend it. I've never heard of. I mean, I'd heard of it, but I never watched it. And we were just like randomly flipping through Netflix trying to figure out what to like watch next. And I was like, eh, if I could, let's just watch Vampire Diaries. And I was, like, like two episodes in, and I'm, like, hooked. So, like, we're in season three now. Um, But as a character, his name is Damon. um, He starts off kind of like a villain. And as you guys probably know, I tend to kind of root for villains. And not, like, intentionally, like, just terrible, terribly written villains, right? Like, I don't... That's not my shtick, right? I like, like, the sort of individuals who think they're doing the right thing or they're sort of like, you know, angsty in a way or, you know what I mean? Like they are misunderstood or like their heart's in the right place, but the actions, they're going about things the wrong way, right? Um, those are my favorite kinds of villains. Like they could be heroes, but for, you know, the draw of, draw of the straw, so to speak, right? Um, and... As I'm watching this show, uh, the character Damon, like he gets introduced, and it's like they're setting it up first, like you're supposed to not like him, kind of thing. But I just couldn't help but like him. And I sat back and I thought, like as I was like appreciating him as a character, I'm like, yeah, he's clearly the villain. So I'm just gonna appreciate him as the villain. I pause and I let that kind of saturate and sink in, and I started to think. I started to think about free will, the illusion of free will and determinism. Um, and now a lot of, I've actually had a couple of conversations this week alone with a couple of individuals about how free will is an illusion and that we're living in a, you know, deterministic society. And it's always hilarious to me when you have this conversation, especially face to face with a person, the first thing they do is like grab something and they go, I've got freedom. See, I can do this. (laughs) And they pick up like a fork or something. And I, my response is just to go, yeah, that's not free will. Like you can control your body. Right. But if we're talking about on a grand scheme, on a metaphysical level, in terms of like the cosmos, um, and like your path and, and, and your life, you're not in control of anything. I said, what you're what you're demonstrating to me is like if I if we were chickens, right in, in, on a farm, right? And I tell you, hey, like we are being controlled by like the human, like the farmer or something like that, or the pe- person that feeds us whatever. And you respond like, no, I'm free. look, I can run around. My response to you is like you're all you are is a free range chicken. But at the end of the day, like there there are fences up. We can't really go where we want to go, right? <laughs> and there's only so much that you can do. It's, it's a limited free will. And, and my favorite euphemism is the only freedom that we have is like a violin. A violin has the freedom to move around in its case, right? But at the end of the day, you're still encased, right? Now, people don't like to hear that. And like, when you say it to them, like I said, they always respond in the same way. Well, look, I can move my arms. And it's like, okay, that's not free will. And one of the conversations that I had, um, the person I had it with was like, well, if I decide, I don't understand their logic, but I'm going to share it with you guys anyway. Um, but um, And now this is a very intelligent individual. This is like a clinical like a psychologist, but they're trying to argue with me. And they were saying, which is never a good idea, uh, which <laughs> they were saying, well, I, I have free will. If I decide I'm going to leave my house and go from, you know, from my house to the gas station, um, I've ex- exercised, you know, my free will. I said, okay, well, what if you get into a car accident? Then they said, well, I've caused my own accident by leaving the house. And I said, that's not how cause and effect works. You were saying you're trying to get from point A to point B, and point B is the gas station. And what I'm telling you is, you can't even will yourself. To the gas station without something happening to you, then you don't have free will. And then sometimes, like, you don't even want to get up and get in your car, right? Even though you know you need to. So there, that, there's that internal conflict going on there, right? And sometimes, <laughs> even if you do, you may start your car and it may not work. Like, look at your life. And look at everything that has happened and ask yourself, how much of it truly was your freely chosen? Like this is what you actually want. You're doing what when you were a kid, you were like, I'm this is what I want to be where I when I grow up. Like how much of us are actually doing that? And how much of what you're doing isn't essentially a reaction to caused events that you had no control over. And what I mean by that is like your parents, for example, right? So this person is a clinical therapist. Now, this is a young man. I don't imagine as a kid or as a teenager, they were like, when I grow up, I'm going to be a clinical therapist. In fact, prior to going back to school to get their master's, they worked as an EMT, which I would say that that was probably something else that was thrust upon them. Look guys, I'm sitting and giving a podcast. I love podcasting, but if you ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up, um, I I wanted to be a fashion designer, (laughs) right? And I wanted to be a professor. Now those things are probably, you know, still probable. They exist as probable realities to be actualized, but I'm sitting talking to you guys as on a podcast right now. Um, I'm not a professor. A lot, a series of events occurred that were beyond my control that took me off the path that I had thought, no, not thought, that I definitely wanted to be on and, and how I saw my life going, right? There's very little in my life that has happened in my life that happened because I willed it so. There's a lot more in my life that I did not will that I have just learned to sort of like deal with. And I think that if you pause and you look at your own life, you'd find the same thing, right? case in point. Let's just take something even smaller, right? Let's not think like grand existentialists, right? Let's just think like, okay, working out, right? We're in February now. How many of you guys had (laughs) New Year's resolution? And how many of you have sort of not been keeping up with your New Year's resolution? All right, it takes an act of will to get up and exercise every day, right? But what happens is time progresses and the year and the year goes on, the year moves on, your will essentially gets over overrun, overpowered by external circumstances and your own body. Right? Your own body says I'm tired, I don't feel like it, and then you are just subject to your body's Reaction and responses and essentially decisions right you're not your body you're not your body you're not your body so if you can't even exert your own will over your own body right to to get in shape to eat healthy to stop drinking without making all these excuses, don't look me in the face and tell me you have free will that's bullshit you don't like and and this could be a whole i all i all I said to this individual. Was read Sam Harris's book on free will because he does a great job of of talking about that. Um, And I don't want to talk, that's not what this episode is about. Um, But what we discussed, even I said, even desires, right? I was like, the fact that I'm sitting and having this conversation with you, this was like not really what I had in mind as far as what I wanted to do today. I wanted to to paint. I wanted to work today, but then I got a text message out of the blue from this individual and they said, "You know, let's meet up." And then I checked. It wasn't even like an okay. I checked to see if I had the desire. Now, where do desires come from? And if I had another another desire, an alternative desire, to basically just stay at home and keep painting, I would not be having that conversation. But I had to first check, and it was my desires that drove me. It was my desires that mandated whether or not I, you know, stop painting. I had a desire to keep painting, but the desire to meet up with this individual sort of overpowered my desire to keep painting. And so that was what drove me, right? Now, the difference is I'm relatively conscious, right? Most people are blindly being led here and there by their desires that they don't control. You don't know where your desires come from. Same thing as you don't know where your thoughts come from. So you're just constantly reacting to desires, right? And like Harris says in his book, Free Will, when you decide, okay, I'm going to read, I'm going to write a book, where did that desire, why today? Say you just woke up with a desire, you know what, today Today this is it. I'm gonna take charge of my life, I'm gonna write my book and this is when you finally do it after like several attempts. Why was today the day? What was the series of events that happened that, that you are not even conscious of that led, it for, led, it, led you to be able to start your book today? All right, you're not in control. And people don't like that because a lot of people's lives are essentially spent desperately trying to control their entire lives. And you can't even control your body, right? You can't control how you react to things, right? You can't control how you react to other people, okay? So bring it back to Vampire Diaries. You're probably thinking like, wait, what is it? Yeah, we're going to bring it all the way back, <laughs> okay? We're going to bring it all the way back. So as I sit and I'm watching this character, Damon, right? The temptation. There's a lot of people who watch TV. When you watch TV with your family and friends or whatever, pay attention, right? What will happen? You start to criticize the character. Well, the character the characters in the show, in my opinion, are essentially reflections of human beings, right? The characters in a movie are essentially, their lives are constructed, right? And pre-written, right? So they're just doing what the plot calls for, right? And to write a plot, it's a series of causes and effects. And and the character just reacts to things that are happening. And that's human beings, right? So let's take the story of Damon. Damon is a villainous vampire, but he didn't want to be a vampire. Shit just happened to him, right? Life just happened to him. And then a series of different events, right? One being like scorned, and to love or whatever another, him being a fucking vampire, right? Made it so that he essentially like had to turn off his humanity, which then made him sort of a villain, right? But it's not really his fault, right? It's life happening to him, which then kind of life events was what whittled him into the character that he is now, right? So and And- those life events, it, you could look at it as essentially like plot right? That is that is the plot of the story. So it doesn't make any sense if you're watching a show and the character is not behaving the way you want them to behave, for you to sit there and go, like, why would you do that? Which we do this all the time. I do this when I watch movies, not so much anymore now because that wakes me up and and it makes me think about exactly what we're talking about right now. Like, oh my God, why would you do that? It's like, well, because they were written that way, right? So if a character on TV has no control over why they do what they do, because that's how they're written that way, right? then you have to pause and reflect back into our society and into our reality and understand that most of the human beings that you're interacting with, all of the human beings, unless you're like a Zen monk somewhere, all of the human beings have zero control over who they are. Life circumstances, not just in this incarnation, mind you, right? But in past and future incarnations as well, life circumstances have shaped them into the character that you're seeing right now. And so instead of criticizing, right, which is what causes us to suffer, because that that in that act of criticism, there is that expectation that the person should be different than what they actually are, or who they actually are, which is insane when you think about it, because that's who they are. That's how they were written. That's how life events, life circumstances have shaped them. Right? If you look at a piece of art and it's car, or it's carved, a sculpture has been carved into stone, you would be a little insane, a little mad to say, "Oh well, I wish that the arms were bigger or that it was made of clay not stone." Like that's unnecessary. Just observe the art for what it is. If it's not your cup of tea, then it's not your cup of tea. But I would suggest that you just appreciate it as is instead of wanting it to be different, right? The moment you start desiring for things to be different, when you have no control, your desire for something doesn't determine, right? What that thing will or will not be. Your desire is just your desire. It might be linked to a particular experience, but as it stands, most of the time when you're complaining about how you want things to be, it doesn't really affect the grand scheme of things. The universe doesn't give a fuck (laughs) about how you want things to be. If that was the case, like think about it, how much we're all we're all we're all decent human beings, right? The majority of human beings are good people with good heart. We look around, we look at the circumstances we find ourselves in, and we look at the world as it is. And we see people who are homeless on the street. We see children with cancer, you know, and diseases. We see terrible things. The world right now, it seems like we're inching towards yet another like fucking close, like encounter with war, like a third war, like another world war. And I would guarantee you, like nobody listening to this is like, yeah, let's fucking go to war. I would guarantee you that even less so the soldiers that were, we're preparing to send over there to, to fight in another fucking bullshit war that has been essentially constructed by sociopaths who will never see the, the end of a rifle, will never feel the burn of an of exploding bomb. They're the ones who can sit in their castles, in their mansions and dictate where our youth, our young men or women will go to fight and drag billions, 8 billion people into yet another fucking world war. But the majority of people, 7.99999 billion people don't want that. We don't desire that. And that's a whole nother conversation. I'm going to get to that ties in with my dream. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, that's where it seems like we're moving towards. Unless we collectively that's something we're going to talk about now is the power of the collective. In a little bit, we're gonna talk about the power of the collective. All right. The you as an individual have some power. Okay? But the greater power of the human race stems not from doing something independently, but from harnessing the power of the collective. We've talked about this before, but let me finish my thought. Um, so. When I watch the show Vampire Diaries and I sit back and I look at all these characters, the show became much more enjoyable for me when I stopped criticizing every little thing that the characters were doing and just enjoyed and appreciated the plot for what it was, the story for what it was, the characters for what it was, the art for what it is, and became a good observer, Okay, what I mean by that as a good observer is so. Have you ever like watched a movie that you really enjoyed, and then you read the shit that the critics have written about it, and you're just like, I totally disagree with everything that the critics are saying because it's bullshit, All right? So a lot of the times when a, a professional movie critic doesn't actually produce movies, if they did, they wouldn't really be going that hard on on a movie, right? Because they they understand the time, energy, and effort it takes to create. Right, most of the time, like critics are just like professional, like complainers <laughs> who like to judge, right? And somehow they know they knew the right person or whatever, and they, they end up holding a position where that's their job to just point at art and say it's bad or good. But those people aren't happy, right? It's a, you're not in a good mental state if you sit back and you just say this is bad and this is bad and I wouldn't do this, okay? Because at the end of the day. You sitting on your high horse and pointing and declaring things as good and bad does not change it. The movie is done, you know, it is filmed, right? It is, it's been put out and all you're essentially attempting to do is to either encourage people or discourage people from enjoying something that you have no knowledge of whether or not the person would enjoy because ultimately that is determined. That is, that is, that depends on the individual who's watching. Which is why a lot of the times you go and watch like The Eternals, terrible reviews. I fucking loved it. They said it was very wordy and preachy and long and yet, but I, that shit was deep. Like it was one of actually my favorite Marvel movies. It wasn't all just fucking blowing shit up, right? It was like depth there. And there was character development and there was like mythos and, and psychology. And I started to wonder like, wait, is this, are we eternals right like our conscious people eternals is that why you have nightmares have you have we experienced this world like fucking bombing you know like being destroyed by war over and over again is this why we repeat certain cycles like that to me movies that make me think movies that like change my perception of reality or just make me sort of like look at things differently i enjoy Right, but a a load of a load of individuals, a handful of individuals came together and just like destroy all of. Us, like it's a very long movie. Okay, then don't fucking watch it. Right, if you don't, if it's not your cup of tea, I am not personally a big fan of abstract art. So I'm not gonna put myself in situations where I am gonna have to, I'm going to observe and or criticize because that puts me in a negative like in a negative space. Right, think about it. Okay, it's not something I like. Right? or something I don't have an appreciation for, right? but I'm gonna continuously put myself in situations where I have to sit there and talk negatively about something that I don't have an appreciation for or understanding of. Why would I do that to myself? That's toxic. It's not, that's, that you can't criticize other people without harming yourself, right? Because one, you're putting yourself in a, mental, in a negative mental space because you're talking about something that you cannot control and you cannot change. And you're failing to accept reality as it is. And that aspect of reality is that you don't control anything. You're not in control. You're not in control. It is what it is. Just, let, just, just control what you can control, which more often than not, it is yourself, right? Sharing knowledge, being kind, being appreciative. But at the end of the day, looking at things as they are and just going, okay, so that's that's just how this person is. And just accepting is, it is, an, is a better mental state than judging. I don't like this. I don't like that. This is good, bad. Or it doesn't matter. Why does it? Nobody fucking cares. Also, nobody fucking cares. <laughs> the universe doesn't give a fuck about what you like or don't like. So stop wasting the energy. Honestly, you're just putting yourself in a mental state for no reason. All right? And when you sit back and you just... Enjoy. You just sit back and you just sit with everything that's going on and observe. Right. You put yourself into a better mental state and you are you are at peace. That that is that is what the Buddhists have talked about. Right. It's just acceptance. Everything I've just said. That's basically the tenets. It's just a modern way of saying like of retelling Buddhism. Right, Buddhism says like you're you're not in control, right? Just like essentially just go with the flow, right? We have the desire it's right desire is a root cause of suffering. Well what is desire? Desire is thinking that what you want has some sort of influence over the reality experience that you have and i and I know I can feel a lot of people this a lot of people aren't gonna like this episode. Um, i don 't care <laughs> right i didn 't like hearing it either' cause i'm I was a control freak right just, just having this constant desire of I, I need things to be this way I need things to be this way right trying to control everything that that was a very tight i was very i was a very tense individual right because it it reflects on your body um but the older you get, the more you realize that just because you want something to be a particular way doesn 't mean it will be. And So it's just easier to understand that life is going to happen. Do what you can. I'm not saying just sit back and let life happen to you. You still like these characters right I'm getting to that I was getting to that point okay. I'm not saying just sit back and just like be depressed and not not do anything. No, like those characters like on vampire Diaries like they're they're all playing their parts, right but they're not they're not aware if the characters were sentient right um like if the characters were sentient, they are not aware of what the overall plot is they're just sort of these are the these are the lines that have been programmed in. I want you to imagine what the future of entertainment will, will be like in a hundred years. So like a hundred years ago, is this like 1920 or whatever, like think about movies, right? They were called a, like they were silent movies and then it kind of evolved into like the talkies or whatever. And it was like, nobody was even really talking. It was lots of like movement and then there would be like a caption or something like that and then more movement and then there would be a caption or whatever. And now think about where we are now, like we have 3D movies and things. So in a hundred years from now, You will be able to be a character in Vampire Diaries. Like You're going to put on a helmet. I'm telling you guys. I'm telling you this is going to happen. It's already happening now in the future. But you're going to, assuming we don't all die. uh, (laughs) Well, even if we do all die, we're just going to get transferred to a parallel universe um, where we survive. Uh, World War Three. So anyway, uh, so in the future, in whatever parallel universe, there will be like our entertainment system will consist of putting on a helmet. You plug in your favorite like movie or your TV show. And instead of watching these characters, you pick the character and this will be interactive. You can either interact, I'm telling you guys, bet money, okay? Um, I'm telling you, I've, see- I've seen this in the future. So you can- you can either, you're gonna connect to the internet, and you can either watch Vampire Diaries like with your family members or your friends, or you can watch it with like random strangers the way you would interact or play video games, right? So then you'll become Damon, right? Or you can become Stefan or whatever character that is your favorite. And then there's a button that you push and it like just does something to like your amygdala or whatever. And while you are playing or while you're playing as Damon, right? you're going to you walk up to the mirror and look in the mirror. And what you're going to see reflected back to you is the face of Damon, right? Um, you're going to say his lines, all, all of the lines are going to be programmed and all of his actions, every little thing that he does, you will literally become these characters. And that's going to be, that's going to be what the future of Movie watching is you're gonna be smell everything you're gonna taste everything and forever however long you decide you're gonna binge you're gonna make for some pretty interesting dreams but forever long you decide you're gonna binge and play as a different character that's what it is and the plot's already gonna be pre-written before you even get the DVD or whatever like it's it's or whatever it's gonna be called um let's say VRD or whatever um <laughs> whatever it's gonna be called um it's already pre-written so then the characters you just it's the plot's already there and maybe you can do you know make slight modifications but the overall plot is going to be the overall pl- overall plot like maybe you decide to go in a coffee shop today as opposed to like not you know going you know it's not going to really change the grand script or of, of anything. Like what's going to happen is going to happen. The major plot points are going to be there and they're going to stick and then you're you know going to live and then however however the story ends, you're going to experience it. However that character ends, you're going to experience that and then boom, it's going to fade to black and then you're going to turn off take off your helmet and then you're back to, you know, reality. And I'm saying that's what I've I've been saying this. That's kind of what we are in Right now, we gotta be. I'm sorry, but it makes it's what makes the most sense to me. I'm not saying accept what I'm saying as you know, as gospel, but it's what right now makes this makes the most sense to me when you, especially when you talk about simulation hypothesis. So, if that's the case, then right, if this is a simulation, you gotta take what that means and then you fucking run with it. All right, so if this is a simulation, then understand that the characters that you interact with have been designed and finely tuned, and they are who they are. They're like a daemon. Right, so complaining about how the person acts or behaves or talks or whatever doesn't really do anything. They are who they are. So just, just. The, the story's been written, the plot's been determined. We're we're plugged in. Our consciousness is plugged in as whatever persona you happen to be inhabiting right now. When you look in the mirror, that's not really you. That's a persona that you're you're playing as right now, like you would in any VR game. If you're playing as like, you know, like in Tomb Raider, Lana, whatever her name is. I I always want to say, uh, Lar, was it Lana, Lana Kane, from. Uh, Archer, but clearly that's not. Although they are similar, I wonder if actually. Anyway, uh, <laughs> maybe they were based off of each other, Lana. Anyway, I digress. So, uh, just just sitting back and instead of going, okay, like this person is this, right? We think if you sit back, it's kind of violence. If you sit back, it's a it's a verbal violence when you sit and you listen to the way we talk about each other, right? We're like critics of a movie, right? we didn't create these characters. We didn't create these people. And these people didn't create themselves. They just are who they are. Right. And instead of just going, that's just who the person is. We start walking around like judging. Right. Like that person's an idiot. That person's stupid. You cut me off. You effing da 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 da. Right. Instead of just like taking a step back and just watching, just observing. All right, and every time we do that, we strengthen that voice in our head that's gonna turn around and judge us the same way. Alright. So if you walk around calling other people stupid for making little mistakes and being human and not being perfect, that voice in your head that's coming out of your mouth is gonna internalize and do the same thing to you when you fall short because literally perfectionism is not something that human beings are inherently programmed with. You cannot be perfect in this reality. You're not supposed to be. You're, what we have been programmed to accept as our imperfections or what we've been programmed to think of as our, quote, imperfections are actually character traits, right? They're what, and I talked about this in the last episode, but it's, it bears repeating, they're, they're, they are what makes us different, from the next person and the next person, and makes us unique, and that's it. So when you watch a character in, in let's say Vampire Diaries, and you look at like Stefan and you look at Damon, you could sit and as a, a and and sort of criticize and judge and say, Oh, these are badly written characters," or like it's so obvious that like you know, he's like a villain, but you you know how this is going to end. Like you can take that energy, but then you're just kind of a dick, right? And yes, I understand that that's judgmental, but it, 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 it goes, you have, it has to be sad. You're being a dick, right? Just, you didn't write the characters, right? Just sit back and fucking appreciate it. And the same for you, the same for yourself. There's so many people walking around who don't like who they are. I'm not saying that if there are there aren't aspects if there are aspects of your persona that you would rather you would rather change not improve but change then do that tweak what you can right i've just started working out that was my Eh, kind of New Year's resolution, but I started in December. I was just inspired by another, like by a person, by a persona um, who like works out. And they used to have, like they used to be bigger and then they lost a bunch of weight and they look great. And for the first time in my adult life, like I've literally never exercised before. I've just been naturally thin. Um, I decided, you know what? Like I'm going to start biking. And I started doing that. and um, And I'm really liking that. But it's not an improvement. It's not an improvement of. To me, it's just a change, right? So I was this person who never worked out, but now I'm a person who does work out, and I kind of like it. And for me, it's also an exercise in, you know, just a, it's just a small exercise. It's the violin moving around in the case kind of thing. It's just a small act of of will. Just a small act of will to just get up and, and bike, right? and for 36 years i've just i've shorn, like i've just shunned um, not shorn shunned exercise physical activity i don't like sweating right i'm that person or i was um, but this has been just a small way to exercise a, a, like a free ranged chicken just a small way to exercise a little modicum of will all right? The grand big picture things, I'm not in control. I'm just, we are at the mercy of fate, okay? Even the gods were at the mercy of fate, all right? The Greeks and the Romans knew this, okay? There's just, there's just we, it is what it is. And if you look at fate as, if you want to use sort of like a modern retelling, if you say, okay, we're in a simulation, then you can look at fate as the storyline, All right, so the overall storyline has already been been pre-written, yeah? And that is what we call fate, yeah? But there's things that you can change within like the subplot or whatever, but the overall storyline, it is what it is for the most part. Now, accepting that is what brings peace. That is something that the Buddha talked about. Is just acceptance of what is, All right? So, one when you have a desire for something, recognize that sometimes having a desire and hope coupled together is you're setting yourself up. It's a trick. Hope is like a trick of the mind. This is this bears repeating, and I'm repeating intentionally. There's there's some elements that I repeated in the past episode as well. But sometimes you get to hear something over. No, not sometimes. You have to hear something over and over again in different ways for it to sink in and for your mind to accept it. So this is very intentional. That is how you learn, okay? Um, I forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> That's okay. It'll come to me. Um, acceptance of what is, all right? So the Buddhist talked about suffering, Oh, hope, yes. So I always say that there's a reason why hope was in Pandora's box of evils. When you hope for something, right? When you desire something, right? Most most of the time, and this is why I have an issue with desire, most of the time when you hope for something, that is paired with this mindset, with this idea that simply because you hope for it, you will make it so. It will come to pass, Right? And so you get your hopes up with this expectation that something's going to work out the way you want it to work out simply because you desire it, right? And in some instances, it does work out. Although I would say that's more that the reason why you had a desire for it in the first place. So we're going to talk about retro causality briefly. I talked about this. On the Discord channel, but the reason why you have the desire for something in the first place is because you will, right, it's like we talk about subplots you will have you will experience the thing that you desire and so that's why you have the desire for it in the first place so the the future is influencing the past so remember i said earlier where do desires come from well if you don't know where desires are coming from particular desires it could be because you know your mind is not limited it's not it's not limited to just this moment in time right And if time is a cycle, not linear, and all the time is happening at once, sometimes, right, the information of experiences that you will have in the future kind of seeps back to influence your present, like a plot, right? So you can't say, okay, I believe in the simulation hypothesis without without considering everything and the implications, okay? So let's go back to a TV show. There's something called... um, Foreshadowing, right? So you like a, a character will do something or say something, and it's typically linked to something that's already sort of that we that the writers know is going to happen in the future. But that's why they have it in the past, where the character is like talking about it or dealing with it or something like that. And I'm saying that your desires sometimes are the the simulation's way or the AI that you know runs the simulation, it's a way of foreshadowing that you are going to have a, a particular experience. Okay. So we're getting kind of fun and funky in here. We're just, we're in case if this is like your first episode you're listening to, please understand that on this episode on this podcast, what we do is we just we're running on the assumption that the simulation hypothesis is accurate that we are in a simulation and then we're just building from there okay so it's fun thinking i'm not i don't i'm not saying believe believe it nobody knows anything for a fact but it is fun to talk about in this way so think about your desires for something as foreshadowing of a particular um, reality experience in the future so on the discord channel we did we had a talk last weekend um, like we did a voice chat with members in the group. Please feel free to join, by the way. We're a small band of um, brilliant minds. Uh, and um, so the more the merrier. Um, but we talked about manifestation, right? And, and how, you know, some uh, yogis and gurus and teachers and spiritual leaders or whatever keep trying to tell you that you can manifest whatever reality experience that you, you know, that you want. And, I, I don't subscribe to the whole idea of manifestation um, i've looked into it uh, but in my experience and and from just observing you're you're really setting yourself up to suffer right because if you if you get so overwhelmed if you overwhelm your mind with the things Things that you want and reality experiences that you you desire, and you think that you can just manifest it with sheer force of will. One, you're operating under the assumption that you can you can bend reality to your will. I'm gonna say that again. That that's that's insane. That's ego, by the way. And you and ego is dangerous, right? So you have to be mindful of how these sort of like thinking. Look, you know, I should preface all of what I'm about to say by saying this: that you you know what the what. People who believe that they can manifest whatever realities that they want. We know what they believe, okay? And I'm just saying, like, the opposite, okay? Um, I love my life. And a lot of what has happened that has been good in my life did not come from me consciously manifesting it. It just came from me being lucky, okay? Have I had desires come to pass? Yes, I have. Um, have I done the whole vision board thing and wrote things like literally there are episodes on this podcast. <laughs> so you can go back and yes, I I've done all of that. Have the things that I've designed, have I focused and had positive mantras and, and positive thinking and X, Y, and Z? Absolutely. Okay. Have they all come to pass? Absolutely. Fucking not. Okay, and I think if you're honest and realistic with yourself, the same would would, would the same, you would say the same thing. So I'm not saying that it's all bunk. I'm saying I want to present to you, believe what you want. Okay. I'm not telling you what to believe. Okay. I just want to present to you a different way of looking at manifestation versus actualization and the dangers of focusing on trying to manifest things. Okay, so here's my perspective one when you say this is what i desire right and i'm going to manifest this okay one you're you're tapping into a lot of the things that the buddha kind of warned against which is understanding that when you ask, have a desire for something you're you're essentially introducing suffering into the scenario because what you're trying to do is bend reality to your will an individual is strong but they're not as powerful as a collective right so If you have a desire for something, please understand that it needs, essentially what you're trying to do is bend reality to your will, but also bend the will of others to your will and shape the storyline and have it converge down into a reality experience that you want. So you're trying to control reality as an individual. And I'm saying... I'm not, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying that it's highly, highly, highly improbable. And you just sitting and staring at a piece of paper with like all the things that you said you want written on it is not, is not, that's not, no, like that's not going to, that's not it. I, I have, I have read about like yogis who have wanted something, desired something, said something. These motherfuckers like, excuse my French, like meditate day in, day out, like most of the clear-minded, most conscious people who spoke, who are tempted to speak certain things into existence, and we're able to have certain things happen, but not all of them. And what I'm saying is this, once again, if time is not linear, if all of time is happening at once, and, and, and all of what we're experiencing, all of what we do experience, which is why deja vu and prophetic dreams are a thing, right? And time travel would be possible, right? Which you're saying theoretically could be possible. You would need to sort of, um, a black hole would need to be involved um, or a wormhole. Although I've argued that wormholes would just take you to parallel universes, but I digress, let's go back. In order for all of these things to occur, right? Reality essentially has to be fixed. 40 block universe, okay? Reality has to essentially be fixed like a Ferris wheel, it's just, it's the same, it's the same cycle. So to say that you as an individual have the ability to manifest what you want, I'm, I'm calling bullshit. I'm sorry. I, I'm going to ruffle a lot of feathers with this one. But that's okay. You know, I'm, I'm just saying like, it's my opinion. I'm just saying it's bullshit. What what I will say before you jump down my throat, hold, hear me out. What I will say is that desire, it's something I always say, desire and outcome, A lot of the time are linked. Okay. So I think this is actually a more positive way of looking at something. But if you have a desire for something to write a book, you know, to be wealthy, to be successful in business, if you have a desire for something, it is because in the future, you have you have already attained it so it's interchanged so you have to think about it like the tv show why does a character have a desire for something well it's because in the plot right that's a foreshadowing event so that desire for something in the plot it's already written and so it's just now you're just watching how the character got to where they were going. It's but it's already there. It's already recorded on the DVD, ready to go like you're watching it on Netflix. So you but even when it's it's in the script, it's part of the plot. So what I'm saying is, you don't have to manifest anything. Pay attention to the things that you do desire. Some things are just blind desire, some things are just blind hope, right? And you know, that 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 shit. Sometimes you just hope for shit and it doesn't fucking happen. You can hope. I'm not saying don't hope, but I'm saying that when you do hope, hope with the mindset, accept the possibility that what you hope for may not fall under the grand scheme, the overarching sort of plot of this story, right? Because a lot of the times what we hope for involve Essentially, either you're trying to in a way hack hack the overall plot line, hack the matrix, right which i'm sorry, but <laughs> we're we're not there yet, at least i'm not, or it- evol- it involves the will of other people, and you have to be mindful of that. Right. So when you're hoping for something that involves the will of other people, you have to be, you have to operate with the understanding that it's not going to be cut and dry because you wrote that shit in a book. So this bears repeating. Okay. If you have an intense desire for something, you, it may very well be because you will experience it in the future. Right. If it especially if it's something having to do with like you and your reality experience, if it's something that's more like it's involving other people's will, then that might be something completely different because that's dealing with other people's will, okay, but if it's if you have a desire for something to be wealthy, to be successful, to be a good writer, to be a good artist or whatever it is, right and it's just something that keeps kind of like motivating you. It's more than likely because you've experienced it in the future. And so that desire is linked to the outcome in the future. So to me, it's not even a matter of like manifesting, it's more a matter of just persevering, right? Just being consistent, right? So consistency is what's most important. You just keep plugging at it, keep plugging at it, right? So it's like you have a desire to, um, like, it's, it's like a marathon, right? So you're training for a marathon. You'd like to finish the marathon. You just keep plugging at it. So just just kind of get that in mind. Um, so when you're so focused on like, I got to manifest this, I got to manifest this, what you're doing is you're kind of reinforcing that you are in control of not like just like yourself, like you have will, right? But also the entire universe. And so you can bend things to your will you know, because you simply because you have the desire for it and all of those things essentially will cause you to suffer. So this is a reiteration of things that I've talked about and it bears repeating. I needed to, I need, needed to hear that. And, um, I needed to meditate on that and, uh, the taking a step back from everything and going, okay, look, I'm not in control here has been so cathartic. If that's the word, like if that's the right word, um, and so like has just caused me like so much like more um peace right it's one thing to say okay i want this right i have a desire for this particular experience right i want to be with this person okay but when if you spend a lot of time reading books you know about like manifestation and control it to me it feeds into the sense of like neuroticism right because then you get sort of like blinded by like what you want that the possibility that you may not be able to get what you want you you suppress that as a quote negative thought instead of a probability like a, like, like that could that is something that could happen so then you're not dealing with reality and then if something that you want doesn't go the way you want that's what causes a lot of pain and suffering and a lot of anger and a lot of depression because you're so driven by what you want instead of just saying like, okay, like I have a desire for this thing. It may not happen. I'm not in control here. I'm just going to go with the flow and trust, right? Because that's literally all you can do. That's literally all you can do in this life. It's whoever needs to hear this is going to hear this and take it in, All right. It doesn't mean that you give up. Because I look, I get up in the morning and I still work. I get up in the morning and I paint. I I do have things. I have visions of what I want, you know, my life to be like. You know, there's things that I desire, right? But ultimately, I've stopped like trying to force and control things, and I've learned to just take a step back and observe life, right? And play the parts that I that I have the desire to play, right? I exert my will where, where, when, and where I can, right? And it's usually over little things, like I should go work out. I need to do some push-ups. I should not eat these cookies. Uh, <laughs> but big-picture things, it, it's I'm essentially just like taking it a moment at a time, a moment at a time. You know, a lot of people get into the habit of asking you, like, "Oh, how was your day? Did you have a good day today?" And my response now lately has been. Um, I, I don't live in tight compartments. I used to, right? This was something I learned from, I think it was like a Carnegie book or, or um, a Peel book. Um, but he, he, one of those books said you should live in tight compartments. So instead of projecting myself in the future or in the past and, and like worrying, I think the book was called how to stop worrying and start living. Um, and I think it was Norman Vincent Peel. Uh, he said to live in tight compartments, only live in the day that you're in. Um, but what I do now is I now try to live in moment-tight compartments, live in moment-tight compartments, right? And, and I try to meditate within the moment. So you, what you need to understand, and this is like an info dump, but it, it is beneficial. What you need to understand is that the mind, its, its function is to move like a searchlight. It It's restless. It's it goes from side to side, front to back, all around, except for the focusing on what you need to focus now, and that's a loss of energy. That's a waste of energy. So that's why a lot of us suffer. You sit down, you have a conversation with most people, especially when you when you meet them. What do they want to talk about the most? Their past, right? And it's always like, and and some I've heard some pretty intense stories, right? And you can tell, like that's why you're unhappy. Why, why this person is unhappy? Because you sit down, you have a conversation with them, and they tell their life story. And it's typically told from a perspective of "woe is me," right? And they attach so much so much importance to the things that happened to them in their past, right? That they're still in the moment that they're talking about, and then you can feel the energy that comes with that, right? So, um, for for example. Talking to a person who said, you know, like the reason why I am the way I am is because, you know, the way my parents raised me and they were just like this, that, and the other, right? And then you watch them and they're still in high school mentally. Right? It's not an insult. I'm just saying, like emotionally, they re their 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 mind has moved like a spotlight and has shined the light of their consciousness on the past. And that they're sitting in front of you. But they're not there, and instead of sitting right there talking to you, engaging with you emotionally, they're in the past. They're emotionally they've gone back to that person cheating on them emotionally, right? And then all of the feelings come up with that, right? And now you and now they're they're upset. That's an unhappy person. Or you meet some other people who it's not even about. It's not even scanning the past. It's now in the future. All the things that they're they're either afraid of, or they hope for, or they desire right and you're looking at that and you're going okay that's great there's no guarantee that any of that shit's going to actually happen but you're not talking about that shit like there's a possibility that that shit won't happen right and as i talked about in the toxic positivity episode like you're you're gassing yourself up without any sort of consideration that that you know that the shit that you would you would like may not happen so you're not mentally preparing yourself for it so that if it doesn't happen then you can just be like it's okay and move on and then and and when you if you do try to bring that up to a person and say hey listen there's no guarantee that what you want may ha- will happen you're now being called a negative person no i'm not being negative i'm being realistic that's not how life fucking works right take a step back since you like to look at the past so much, take a step back and look at even the situation that you're complaining about regarding your parents. If you were in control of the situation, would you have had the parents that you had or the life experiences that you had in the past that you're so emotionally stuck on? No. No, you wouldn't have. Like, That's not how life works. Right? There's some shit that happened in your past that went the way you wanted to. Great. But there's some shit that's going to happen to you in the future that's not going to go the way you want to. And that's something that the Stoics tell you to just mentally accept and prepare for, right? So that life, you're not creating undue suffering from yourself by allowing your mind to do the shit that it does where it scans everywhere but the present. So I had a conversation with another person and they were talking about a book that they were written, they were reading by uh, the author who read The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Now I started that book a long time ago And I powered through it because I don't like not finishing books, but I also also returned it after I read it because it just, be careful what you allow into your psyche, guys. Um, You don't have to accept everything that you hear just because it was in a book or you heard it in a podcast, including the shit that I say, okay? I, I love Love, love you guys, and I want you guys to to form. I I keep I'm gonna keep saying this now. It's a new thing. I'll, I'll say, add that to the list of random you know Joe sayings. Is form your own philosophy. Be an artist. Okay, what do artists do? I'm. What do creatives do? What do gods do? Right? They pull from pre existing things. Let's go into the Bible. Right? When they talked about, I don't believe in the Bible. I'm just saying, just for you know illustrative purposes when the spirit of god moved across the, uh, the waters there was already waters there and then he separated or she separated the god separated the waters from the land right and then he separated the water and the water was there and it made it called them sea and then the land that was separated from the sea he called land or they called land but if you go back and read genesis water was already there right land was already there it was just a separation so that's how the creative process works. That's what painters do, right? Painters, artists will sit and look at shit that's already there and then create, they pull from different sources and create their own work of art. So I encourage you guys to have minds of creators, minds of artists, pull philosophy from wherever, you know, books, podcasts, don't just blindly accept everything, right? form your own philosophy intelligence is what's the, the most important thing and you need to sharpen your your mind's ability to create right so that's that's what i'm saying okay um but back to back to what i'm saying so you you have a lot of people who you know they read books and so this individual had read um everything is fucked by the same author who wrote um, the subtle R not giving a fuck. Now, this individual made me read the book, and I was like, I don't. I went and read the synopsis, and I'm like, I'm not gonna put that in my psyche. To me, it reads a bit like stoicism, and I have my favorite stoic philosophers. And so, this individual wrote, you know, went and read, you know, books by stoics, um, and then used their worldview to write this book. But that's their worldview, and just judging on like what was. What the intro was and what people were saying about the book, it just wasn't something that I wanted to put into my psyche. But what this person was telling me was that the author was saying in this book is that um, you're never happy. Like nobody's ever like truly happy. Now I I agreed with that statement a little bit because. That statement itself had helped me through like a bout of depression. Um, So there was a point in my life when that would have resonated with me. So that's why I was like, okay, I'll listen with an open mind. Um, but, But only because I viewed happiness as a flux, like a state of flux, like nobody's just happy all the fucking time. That's true, right? And I think that happiness. I my philosophy about ha- fa- f- tongue tied. Uh, my philosophy of happiness is that it comes in 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 waves, right? Like you're not going to be happy all the time, and that's okay. And I I have said that on the podcast, like sometimes you just got to sit with the sadness and 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 lean into the pain. So that I got, I was like, yeah, I can that can resonate with me. But then he he went on and and said that even if you're successful, happiness really means you just have a better set of problems. And I was like, ooh, that part I don't agree with. Um, I mean, I appreciate the psychology and the life experiences that led the author to say what he said, and that's his philosophy, and that's what works for him, but that's not what works for me and my philosophy and my worldview, and that's okay, and that's okay, right? But what, what I took issue with Right, is that if you're fixed, if you focus, if you're directing people to look at their problems and defining their problems through the defining their happiness by the problems that they have, that's just to me, to me, unhealthy. And so what my retort back to this individual was: I'm happy right now. All right in this present, in this present moment right now if i if i pull the fucking spotlight of my mind away from the future away from the past and i'm and i focus on right now i'm happy the reason why we lose our happiness is because we shift out of the present moment and i'm not the first person to say this shit and i'm not going to be the last but it bears repeating because we keep forgetting, which is why I had to go back and reread Osho because I forgot, I forgot, right? Which I think is built into the simulation to just increase our suffering, I guess. I don't, I don't fucking know, but I forgot. Hopefully I don't forget this time, right? That's why I've been binge reading all those books I listed because I, I, I'm trying to drill this shit into my head. Now, the power of now, right? A new earth. All of these Ram Dass, Alan Watts, Osho, all of them, you know, Meister Eckhart, they're all saying the same thing: focus on now. Nine times out of ten, nine point nine point nine point nine 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 percent of the time, or ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time, there's you're listening to podcasts right now. You should be happy. What takes you out of your happiness is you start thinking about like bullshit. And what I said to the person was, you want you want to, if I sat and I listed all my problems, then I'm going to take myself out of the now. And I said, look, I'm in pain, All right? And at the time I was having the conversation, I was. My back was hurting. My leg was hurting. My neck was hurting. I I don't fucking know why. Like just from painting and stuff like that, I've been painting a lot lately and just sitting for long periods of time has been kind of like triggering my sciatic nerve. I don't care. It is what it is. Um, I do my stretches. I work out now. that, That has helped greatly, All right? But if I sat... And I was like, well, you know, my set of problems are better than your problems, so that's why I'm happy. That's me still focusing on the problems. What I said instead is the reason why I'm happy is not because my fucking problems being better than, you know, my problems from last year. That's stupid because I'm still thinking about my problems and that's a terrible judgment. I'm not saying that that, I'm not saying the individual is stupid. I'm just saying that the idea is stupid. It's not, it's just, it's not healthy. It might help other people, but I don't know if that's a healthy mindset. I said, the reason why I'm happy now is because I'm having good food that I enjoy. I was having sushi at the time. Um, and it's a dark, it was a, called like a dark dragon roll, which is like my favorite. Um, with good company that we're having cool conversation. And so in that moment, I was happy. And it wasn't about focusing on my problems. It was about focusing on how I felt in that moment, right? Now, if I would have focused on the pain, then that would have been my issue. But it's what I chose to focus on. It's what I chose to consciously shine my, my light on. And it wasn't my problems. It was like the moment. And when you focus on the moment and why should I be happy right now, you're going to see a whole long list of things. I'm comfortable, right? I'm not, you know, I have a nice home. You know, it's climate controlled, right? My skin feels great. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I have a nice bed. So when you do that, you pull yourself out from, okay, like, what did your parents do to you when you were a teenager or shit? What's my boss going to say to me tomorrow? Or what did that person mean? When they, "Eh, that's your mind. It's not you, But if you pull that energy out from all of this bullshit and just pull it into the now, there's happiness. And that's what meditation is, right? Is is the recognition that your mind is constantly like swiveling from from past to future, past to future, and just keep trying to bring it to, okay, that's great. That's all fine and dandy, but right now we're good. Hey, right now I'm good, all right? I'm happy right now. You're at peace right now. Even if you're in pain, you're still good right now. Whatever it is that you're thinking about that's causing you emotional pain, it's probably not happening right now. It's something that your mind has shifted you, right, to. In a way, it's a kind of a hallucination, right? Because you're seeing something and experiencing what's not present. So be present, be here now, okay? So now we talked about manifestation being basically bullshit, right? And how that kind of leads into suffering, right? You're trying to like force things to happen where you don't have any control. We've talked about a different perspective where we're basically saying, well, if you have an inherent desire for something, it's probably because it's tied to a future experience, probably, probably very mindful of the words that I use, but I'm saying probably, like there's a high probability that you have a desire for something. It's because you will or have experienced it in the future. So it's in, a, in a way that desire for something is foreshadowing a future experience. So all you have to do is persist and be consistent. And eventually you will reach that moment in space time where you have that, you know, that desire is actualized, but you don't do things blindly. You don't have blind hope. You just understand that just because you have a desire for something or you hope for something doesn't mean it's going to happen. So you got to mentally prepare yourself for that and accept what is. You accept people as they are. You almost appreciate them. You learn to appreciate them as they are. Right? So instead of sitting back like a critic or a judge Looking at a person and basically saying, like, oh, this, I don't like that you did this or you did that. Understand that there's a part of an over, they're all part of an overall plot and this is how they're written. So just learn to appreciate them as they are, to accept them as they are without trying to change them because you're just a character in the show. That is love, right? We all want people to love us. We want people to accept us as we are. Say that again. We all want people to love us. We want people to accept us as we are but the way to that because that's love the way to that is by sitting back and accepting people as they are when you when you sit back and you observe 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 without judgment watch people interact with people like the personas that they are. Interact with people like the avatars that they are. The pre-written avatars that they are. Interact with people like the characters that they are. You sit back like, and, and watch them and go, you know what? This is a finely crafted work of art. Instead of saying, I don't like how you do your hair. or I don't like that. Like, just don't be a dick. Get it? Like, view them like a work of art. Well, oh, this is how this person talks. Well, that's Interesting. Right? Like, observe people like they're characters on your favorite movie or your favorite TV show. Right? Because life is somebody's TV show, somebody's movie. Right? We've got to be entertainment for somebody, if not our own selves. Right? If if this world is not like the future of entertainment for our own civilization, well, then it's clearly fucking aliens. Either way, right? We're characters. And if you're listening and this resonates with you, you're sentient on some level. If that's the perspective you, cho- you choose to take, I toggle. Sometimes I wonder if we're just sentient characters in somebody else's TV show like Westworld. And sometimes I wonder if this is, if we are consciousness if our consciousness has been uploaded into this world, like some sort of, you know, entertainment system, like vanilla sky and, you know, but entertainment, and we're just like, you know, playing characters. And when we die or when we sleep, we take off our helmets and then go and live our, our world or live our lives, or maybe they don't have jobs. And then you just play as other characters and other, whatever, but still, if you can sit, I'm, I'm, reiterating the fuck out of this, okay? Because I'm going to come back and listen to this episode too. Because um, it, it's just, it's a, it's a way to remind you to love. It is. Um, but if you could sit and instead of saying and complaining and criticizing, right? Because all of that is on some level, you're acting as though you're in control of the narrative, of the character, of the personality, of their persona, and that they are in control of themselves. That's how they were pre-written, right? And to me, that's why one of the things that I love about determinism is that it does help you love people a bit more, right? Some people think, okay, well, and I've had people, somebody say this to me, right? You're just, you're just compliant, right? And you're just complacent and you're just willing to sit on your laurels and say, well, there's nothing you can do anyway. No, that's not fucking true. That's bullshit. Characters still move the plot. They still play a part. It's fucking stupid. Not the individual, but the mindset and that attack. I apologize. Um, But a character still plays a part. I can say that, okay, I'm not in control of the overall plot, but still play my part. Right? I, I, I don't just wake up and do nothing. So I'm not, you know, I get up and I interact. If I have a desire to, to, you know, for the, to, to reach out to somebody, right? I'm going to play my part in the overall narrative. I'm telling you, there's a greater direct, there's a greater intelligence that's directing all our paths. And the more conscious I am, and the longer I exist within this persona, the more apparent this thing makes itself to me or this entity makes itself to me, or these entities, whatever you want to call it, the AI, the ASI, controlling all reality, the more prevalent it becomes, its presence becomes. Okay? So I'm still going to play my part. I'm still going to do the podcast. I'm I'm still going to be compassionate. I'm still going to talk. I'm still going to share. I'm still going to read. I'm still going to create. All right? If I see wrong, I'm going to speak out against it that's my that's my persona that's who that's who this individual is i'm going to play my role if tony stark wakes up in the movie iron man and becomes conscious and realizes oh shit wait i'm a character in a tv show that is bound to i've got to do what i got to do right at the end of the day He's still going to play his part. Maybe there's one part where he sits back and goes, I'm not going to do anything, which actually kind of saw happen because he kind of became self-aware in one of the Avengers movies. I think it's the last one where he, spoiler alert, uh, I'm not going to say anything if you haven't seen it yet, but it's the last one. But he did kind of take a step back from the narrative and was like, I'm not really going to do this. But at the end of the day, the plot beckoned and he, it was in his character to do what he had to do. It was pre-programmed for him to be the hero. So he just went and did hero shit. So if you're listening to this, just because like determinism is a thing, right? Because we have no free will, but free will is an illusion and we're not really in control of anything, doesn't mean we don't have our parts to play. And I'm going to sidestep back to my dream. All right, so I had a horrible dream this morning. Um, it was the most vivid dream I've ever had. And and uh, just a heads up, like violent content I'm about to explain. I'm going to try to not make it too violent. But I was like, I was a woman, um, Eastern European. Uh, and I was under like the bunkers of some sort of like palace or something like that, a foundation. And Americans were attacking and... um like people were just running i had to find like a bot like a bunch of bodies and i hid behind a wall of dead bodies as this was happening and like shrapnel and like you know bullets were just ricocheting off of bodies i looked ahead and i saw this somebody's head like they had passed on they had died but there was just like bullets like, just penetrating their head and it just it was like the most violent the most there was blood everywhere and i just kept thinking how am i not Dead. It was war. I have never. I don't watch scary movies. Like I don't like. Yeah, vi, you know, Vampire Diaries or whatever. That's probably like the like the most intense quote violent show. I don't watch war movies. I don't watch things that are like that intense because my brain kind of absorb things, absorbs things. Um, I certainly haven't watched anything like that recently but it felt like I was there. There was fear. I could smell things. I could feel things. It was dripping. There was like rubble and dust and, and blood dripping. And like, I just kept waiting. I just wanted it to, to be um, for nighttime to come so I could get away. But like nighttime would, like, would not come. So the skies were just repeatedly getting like lit up. It was like a permanent daytime. I don't know if a bomb had detonated or something nuclear had gone off. I don't know, but it was terrifying. And, um, when I finally, when it finally died down and I got away, I ended up being kind of like corralled by a bunch of American soldiers. And then I was in a group of other Eastern European women and the Americans it was this big, tall, like American like Marine or something, smoking a cigar with his dog tags. And we were just terrified they were going to harm us. And they said, we just want the keys. Just give us the keys. And so this elderly, this older lady with a babuska on, um, had a basket of like silver and gold keys and we gave them to the Americans. Um, and they were like, we have to storm like the, the, like the, the palace, um, or whatever, and then then I woke up. And that was like this morning. And then the first thing I see when I go into Instagram was my cousin had sent me a video of Putin talking his shit about how he's going to basically nuke the entire world should X, Y, and Z happen. And my response to that is that, one, clearly we saw this coming, those of us who have been awake and been paying attention to what's been happening with the whole COVID thing. The only thing that was going to Shift the collective consciousness away from this whole bullshit um, was war, and there was a time. And this just doesn't happen anymore. But there was a time when if you had typed in World War Three into, uh, like, into your into like a your iMessage, it corrected it. And capitalize the world and the war in the three like it does with World War Two as though it had already happened and it was an event, right? And that really like creeped me out. I took a screenshot of it. I have it um, in my phone somewhere. But it's st- I checked again today and it's they've stopped doing that. They changed that. But it's like there is a there is a small group of people, the 0.01% of fucking psychopaths who are the natural predators of the rest of us. And they want the world to be a particular way. Heaven for them, hell for us, right? And the way their power, because they understand that an individual is strong, but it's not powerful, right? So think about an individual, like we have energy, So think about one individual, depending on the person, any having anywhere from one to three kilowatts or joules of energy, right? Just this is just for illustrative purposes, right? So one person, let's say I can move, you know, I can move something with my mind. I can bend a spoon, okay, with my mind. Okay. Now that's just me. That's just one person. If I get, if you get a thousand people with that same energy holding hands locked together, we can Concentrate our energy, and we're gonna bend more than spoons, right? We're, we could we could lift a fucking building if we wanted to. That's that's. I'm not saying this is actually a thing. I'm just saying like you gotta think about each individual, and their ability to steer the collective consciousness down a particular path. The reason why a Hitler was powerful was not because he did things on his own. It was that he was able to harness the power of the collective with his mouth, with his mind, with his ideas, with his speech, right? So these individuals know that one person cannot really move the entire race down a particular path, like what I've been talking about. You can't manifest. I can't sit here and be like, I'm going to manifest a reality where World War 3 doesn't happen. No, we have to get enough people working together to say collectively, we will not actualize that reality experience. On the opposite end, you have the psychopaths. They do a great job of working together while they divide us, the, the conscious. They work together. They're the opposite end. They're in the opposite side of the factions. And they know that if they want a particular reality experience, because, hey, look, if we go to war, doesn't matter to them. They've got their fucking bunkers. You guys know that, right? None of us have bunkers. I don't have a bunker. If you ever have a bunker, holler at me. But they have their bunkers. So if anything goes down, this is zero. Like the, the, It's not really, there's zero consequences. None of their children are going off to war. None of their siblings, none of their friends or family members are going off to war. So it's nothing for them. All of the risk comes to us. In order for this to work, in order for them to move the collective consciousness of eight billion people down a particular path where my dream becomes reality, and it already is reality in some parts of the world, similar, they need to harness and they need the cooperation of millions of people, either complying or doing nothing. Either complying. Or doing nothing. You know there's a scene. I always talk about this. Like in a movie. Every time I watch a movie. There's like like a mad king. Or something like that. Right. That's just going off. Going crazy. Running his mouth. Like yeah. Let's just like destroy everything. And then I always look around at the characters. Standing around like the king. And they just go along. With the king. That's literally going to kill them. Or get them killed. And they do nothing. And my thought is always the same thing. Why doesn't somebody just take this dude out? They could save us save the rest of the world so much pain and misery if we stop allowing these fucking psych like imagine, let's go back to Hitler. Imagine like everybody around him looking, seeing what he's doing, and thinking, like, okay, like we've crossed lines. This is insane enough. Enough people have died. Enough children have died. Enough. We're tired of war. Enough. If we end up down a timeline, if we end up actualizing a timeline where World War III does occur, it is because we collectively allow that shit to happen. We can't sit back and let these madmen, these psychopaths, keep steering us this way and that. Because they're fucking bored and have nothing else better to do. The way they do that is they have a very distinct understanding of the nature of this reality. And the nature of this reality is, one, they they know that we are powerful. But we're only powerful working together which is why the pen is mightier than the sword, which is why they're going in on Rogan. Um, It's funny to me that people care more about him saying the N-word than what he was saying and warning people about on his podcast. It's bullshit. When he signed and got the $100 million deal with Spotify, how come nobody said shit about the shit that he had been saying? Right? Right? How come nobody came out and said, you know what, maybe we shouldn't reward somebody who's been saying the N-word with a hundred million dollar contract to continue to say things like he's been saying in the past. It didn't fucking matter. Right? But when it when it became okay, he's speaking out against big pharma. Let's cancel him because he said the N-word. Fuck you. Okay, you know what I'm tired of? I'm tired of entities who think they understand, no. I'm tired of entities weaponizing black people and using our emotions and our anger and our frustration with the status quo, like weaponizing that shit. Like that's what they're doing. You're trivializing and weaponizing it, right? So they wanted him off the air, that didn't work. So then now they're trying to pull up the things that he said in his past because they understand the power of a united collective. You know what? He said what he said. I've said some ignorant things in this podcast. I have, because I'm not perfect. And I think that the fact that we live in the society right now, this is where we are, where everybody's walking around acting fucking perfect. There's something that one of my friends said, if... We had cameras filming us 24-7 and broadcasting the shit that we say out for public con- consumption. We would all be canceled because we're all fucking imperfect. So the people who are walking around judging and saying, oh, he did this or a lot of the people pointing fingers are guilty of about the same thing, if not worse. I'm not going to say that the things that Rogan said were not offensive or hurtful. I'm saying, why is it coming up now when he's speaking out against tyranny and big pharma? Pharmaceutical companies don't give a fuck about us. Pharmaceutical companies don't give a fuck about us. So to me, it seems like you're trying to use Black people and Black rage as a cat paw in order to essentially silence, some, silence somebody who's speaking out. How about we focus more on what is going on and what is being said? And I'm sorry if you are for him being censored now because he's saying some shit that you don't like. Please understand that in two to four years, that if, you, if we allow this to happen, it's going to happen the opposite. Right now, if you want to play this you know, dichotomy duality game, right, right now, liberals are in charge. It's not going to be, it's going to be a matter of time between two to four to six years, whatever, where conservatives are in charge. And then they're going to start doing some things that you won't like. And ultimately, I, when I say liberals and conservatives, I'm not talking about the average the people. I'm not talking about 300 million Americans. I'm talking about whatever fucking left wing, right wing governing board. They don't care. Ultimately, a government, the longer it holds power, the more it moves towards totali- totalitarianism, totalitarianism. Thank you. Totalitarianism and fascism because it wants control. That is its function. The function of gov- government is to control. It starts off small and grows, and grows, and grows, and grows. If you are contributing to if you are okay with people being discriminated against because they they are saying, I don't want to put this in my body. Look, I am willing to isolate, I am willing to you know wear a mask, X, Y, and Z or whatever, they're already saying, like, okay, right? It's their body. You can't out of your mouth say that you're pro choice. And what a woman wants to do with her body should be her choice. But then turn around, like if you, you can't be for medical freedom, but then against medical freedom. The entities that you're like, and I know it's probably nobody that's listening to this podcast, but uh, the entities that some people are going hard for are the same entities that will send our loved ones out to die in some fucked up bullshit, dick swinging game. And they're going to use the media to scare people into clamoring for war. Although I think as humanity as a whole is becoming more and more conscious, we're looking at this and saying, no, we don't want this. Although I'm terrified that there might be a false flag, and terrified is too strong of a word because right now I'm just watching, um, but I feel as though there might, be, there might end up being a false flag event that will make it so that once again, the power of the collective is harnessed towards some sort of war where, where they will manipulate the situation so that people start just clamoring, okay, it's time to go to war. And we've got to grow past this as a species. Nobody that I know wants a war, but also I don't know any fucking psychopaths. Right? So at some point, we got to take a step back and realize there's 8 billion of us and literally like a thousand of them. And I'm being generous with that amount. And they know that they can actualize certain reality experiences. It's not inevitable. We don't have to go to war. We don't have to do this as a species. We don't have to destroy ourselves as a species. We can do better than this collectively. If we just come together and say no, which is why they work so hard to divide us because there's power in the collective moving together towards the actualization of a particular reality that's when you can manifest things manifestation only applies when you can essentially trick the will of a large group of people or harness the will, however you wanna do it, if you use the media to contribute, that's where true power lies. This is why they ban books and burn books, which is why they censor YouTube videos and posts and things like that, because that's where true power lies. It's not from sitting and writing some shit over and over again. That If you want to manifest, you talking about really manifesting a reality experience, you get enough people Thinking the way you want them to think. And that's how you harness the power of the collective towards manifesting a reality experience. But it has to be a large collective. Thinking in a particular way and then making it so. But that's why they use these techniques. Any means necessary. That's how this shit works. Anyway, this is a longer episode <laughs> than normal. Uh <clears throat> I think this month I will be uh putting out a couple of episodes on the TikTok channel. Been working on some scripts, so be on the lookout for that. Uh if you're not following on our Discord, hop on the Discord. Um yeah. Let's um Let's try to appreciate each other as we are without judgment, you know, observing each other as we would observe our favorite characters on a TV show, you know, make our suggestions, but understand that nobody's under obligation to think what you think or act the way you act or believe the way you believe, All right? Most people aren't even in control of themselves. You're not going to be able to control them. You're not a programmer, <laughs> right? Work on, on you, changing you. Right? Understand there's only so much that you can control. And just going with the flow. All right. As you can hear, my voice is tired. So (laughs) I'll hit you guys up next week.